Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. You know, a lot of people have this idea that grace is um, basically the same thing as mercy. A lot of people just have the basic definition of grace as unmerited favor or, you know, God kind of not judging you or punishing you when you should and when you deserve it, right, which is really more mercy. And grace does have to do with that, but grace is more than just that. Grace is God's influence in your heart, in your inner man. You know, grace is, it's like this active spiritual force on the inside of you that strengthens you. It gives you nourishment physically. It becomes wisdom to you. You know, it's almost as if Jesus being active in your life, Jesus being himself living his life through you, it's almost as if the spiritual kind of force that he's living out is this idea of grace. Grace is God's strength on the inside of you. So when it says that we are not under the law, we are under grace, that doesn't mean you're not under the the covenant where God is judging you based on your performance, and now you're under this covenant where God is not judging you based on your performance. It's so much more than that. What it's meaning is what kind of strength are you living by? Under the law, you were limited to your own strength. Under the new covenant, under grace, you have the power and the ability of God on the inside of you to help you live beyond your own capacities. So, you know, I I don't, today, I don't have a message on like particle physics or time travel theory or anything. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about quantum entanglement and prayer. I am going to jump back to that subject. I'm not exactly sure, but um, kind of a little bit today from the same concept. I want to think about grace and faith and love, you know, because a lot of times in Christianity, we look at those concepts like faith and grace as if they're these, as if they're doctrines to understand and things to do to get right, right? Like I got to do faith to get it right. And it's, it's, to me, it's so much more broad than that. It, they're, they're, so like we live in a world where there's gravity, there's the weak and strong nuclear forces that hold everything together and keep everything in its place and keep everything going and spinning and all the stuff that have to do with physics and all of that kind of stuff. Like we can do science and understand that there are things happening around us that are you know, systems and processes inside of your body, systems and processes from micro quantum level to macro all across the universe, these incredible things that are happening, even when inside of your body, happening to promote and strengthen your immune system to keep you healthy and your brain going through all these incredible electrical impulses and signals so that you're processing and thinking and reflecting and it transitions even beyond just mechanical, physical thought to where your soul is involved in your mind. All of that stuff going on, but then when we think about like grace and faith and God's love, they're kind of these ideas or they're performance related. But I like to think of God's love as if it's like one of those forces in nature, but it's spiritual. 
So like gravity is affecting us right now, and we're still trying to figure out what it is, but at its most basic understanding, gravity's keeping you in your seat right now, keeping you from floating off out of your seat right now. And it's something that you can't, you don't know, I mean, really, they don't even know what it is. We understand its function and its effects, right? You know you're sitting here, and gravity has something to do with that. I like to think of God's love, His grace, in terms of laws and forces and powers in that spiritual dimension that we are actually part of now. We have, so Colossians 2 says, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So in, a, in some kind of way, we are in God's kingdom now. You know, almost as if you're in gravity now. Like, it's around you, you can't really feel it or see it. Well, you can feel it, I suppose. But it's, it's not, you know, it's not something that you can point your finger to. It's, it's the same way with being in his kingdom, right? Where, and, it, and, and from a non-mystical, spiritual physics perspective, can I, can I say it that way? And, it, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to get you to think a certain way, and I'm not even really trying to teach you something interesting. I, I'm just... Personally, I like to bring that stuff down to the level of, okay, it's beyond just mystical experience where I don't understand and I don't know how faith works and I don't know, yeah, I know that God loves me. But So why am I saying all that? The point today is I want you to depend on God's love even more so than you depend on gravity. You know what I mean? Like you don't think about gravity, but you need it. You depend on it. You base a lot of your life on it. I want you to think about God's love in terms of something that you're actually moving within, something that's actually active in your life, something that's actually on the inside of you doing things. Like the love of God has an effect in your life, has an effect in your mind, in your heart, your beliefs, which affect everything else about you. And, and so what, what can we do with the love of God? It's good to understand like intellectually, it's good to know the scripture about what it says about his love, but what's his love doing? It's because he's motivated by love towards you. And it's not just how he feels about you, it's what emanates out of him through you and has an effect within you and then through you into the world. Is that, are you seeing that picture? You know, whatever that looks like for you, the love of God is being shed abroad in your heart, even in this moment, right now, to have an effect. And what might that effect be? I'll ask you. You guys throw some things out. What, what effect can the love of God have on you? What effect does the love of God have on you? Peace. peace. They both said peace. Joy. Compassion. Compassion. So... So then, so also no fear. Now think of it situationally, right? Peace. Okay, so God's love affecting you to where you have peace, what then would that do in your life? Confidence in what? In believing victory. What'd you say, Judy? In life? Just in Him? Yeah. What would joy do? If you could shift your attention toward him, be affected by his love, which, you know, that's the thing about accessing God's spiritual 
forces and laws and, and being participant about what that looks like, how to, how to access that another dimension. It, it's active and living and available right now. And it's when you turn your mind toward him, which is really what repentance is, turning your mind toward him inherently means you're turning away from sin. You're turning away from the weight of this world. You're turning away from the cares, the, the, the failures. It's not that you're absolved from the effects of it, because you've got to still deal with those things. Sin still has an effect. He's already judged Christ on your behalf, so you're free from being judged for your sin from God. But sin still has an effect in this world that you are going to eat the fruit of it. Unfortunately, it still brings death. And we're all experiencing a certain amount of death in our lives because of the degree of sin in our lives. But repentance is not begging God to forgive you. Repentance is recognizing that there's forgiveness in the offering of Christ. And you shift your mind and your heart toward Him. And there's something about the way that we're designed physically to assimilate that love on the inside of us, and it has an effect. It changes. It brings peace. It brings joy. It gives you wisdom. It gives you strength. It does things on the inside of you. Now, it's like a seed, so we don't really know how to quantify that. And, and, and like, you know, it's like the old, old uh, statement about a frog. You can dissect a frog. You can take all the stuff out and identify even down to the smallest minute processes of what everything it's doing. But if you fully dissect it and understand it, it's no longer a frog. It's just a bunch of stuff. I don't, I don't want to do that with God. I'm not trying to dissect everything down to where you understand these little pinpoint things, but you miss the big picture. Good thing you're over there, not there. Almost got you. Are you with me? But, but I, I also want to live personally with God in a way where I'm affected by Him, where I, I change, I grow. I learn. I'm more loving toward my family, toward people. I'm bold and confident to share my faith toward people. It's God's love on the inside of us that's doing that stuff. It's having an effect on the inside of you. So a few statements here on this idea. God's power works by... Now, I'm going to make a few statements, and then we're going to read some scriptures that really kind of... You'll see where I got these statements from. God's power works by love. So let me ask you this question. What does God expect from you? And so this is an interactive sermon today. What does God expect from you? Obedience. Obedience, yes. What else? Love. Love. Is that that what you said? Love the Lord with all your heart. Yes, to love Him. And what else? Trust. Trust. An An open heart. On the love thing. Love Him. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Yeah, that, that's, those are all comprehensive. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you obey God? That one's harder to answer. Reading the word. Talking with him. Know him. You didn't know you were going to have to think. Abiding in him, resting. All right, so you cannot obey God in your own strength. You realize that? 
So we are not under the law, we are under grace. Grace is the capacity or the strength to be empowered by Him to obey Him. Now, God's not giving you grace or power to obey Him so that you'll be righteous. You're already righteous. You're already accepted by Him because the shed blood of Christ has washed you, sanctified you, left you in a state of holiness. His Spirit has joined Himself to you. He's given you a new heart, right? So grace to live holy or righteously is not to make you more holy or righteous. It's to get you out of your own strength, get you out of your own mindset, out of your own thoughts to be empowered by Him. So, but living by grace, and so incidentally, walking in the power, you know, walking in the gift of healing or words of wisdom or words of knowledge and, and discerning of spirits and all that kind of stuff, those are all capacities of grace. Those are all strengths and abilities from God on the inside of you. So even doing all of that stuff must be done by grace, must be done by this spiritual force on the inside of you that is active and alive on the inside of you. I, I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's helpful for me because that means all I got to do is get in tune with this force that's flowing through me, you know? And I, so I think about like you pilots out there, and I even sent Glenn this article that I was reading about the idea of the law of lift, right? So the law of lift, most of you are aware of what it is, but you know, you got to, how, how much does an airplane weigh, like a general? Um, about 160,000 pounds. 160,000 pounds. So what is that, 50, 80 tons? Is that right? Did I, did I do that right? Something like that. Uh, 80 tons. How in the world does that thing stay in the air? Well, you know, so does it break the law of gravity? Does it usurp natural law? No, there's a different law with the right conditions that supersedes natural law. And it's a natural law in and of itself. It's just given the right factors causes, you know, a different experience of those laws. You know, to me, it's like the law of lift is grace. It's not an impossibility. It's just a different way given the right set of circumstances, the right environment you live. And so that law of lift is like grace elevating you, rising. And so, you know, what is lift? You get enough speed coming across the top of the wing that causes something to happen underneath the wing. And, and apparently the airplane actually gets pulled up into the air rather than forces itself up through the air. You know, there's the, I read about, I read too much about lift yesterday, or no, actually it was a couple days ago. There's like a high pressure across the top and a low pressure across the bottom, and there's like this little vacuum on the top that actually is, the, the plane is con constantly being sucked into that vacuum, but it never fills the vacuum. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Go read an article on lift and let God teach you about grace. To me, that's the mindset of Romans 1.20, that we can clearly understand the things that are not seen by the things which are seen, Right? Find something that interests you and open your heart to God to let Him teach you about His nature, His Spirit on the inside of you, right? Because it's hard to think about the mystical aspect of Spirit. You know, I, I, for me, I like to think about something that I can understand, and then it illuminates spiritual understanding. It illuminates, well, it's like this, and it's kind of like this. You know, to define and specifically say, spiritual law is this 
I don't know that we can do that, at least, at least in my mind in some ways. So, uh, so, but you cannot, you cannot do miracles in your own strength. You cannot experience transformation in your own strength. You cannot uh, obey God wholly and completely to his glorification in your own strength. You can't do it. You ever tried? It doesn't work. It's frustrating. So how do you do it? Well, again, this is where the Holy Spirit's got to teach you because I can't give you the pinpoint of how you assimilate grace for strength to experience transformation and then walk in the power to lay hands on somebody else to do miracles. That, that, that's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And you are well capable of being taught by Him and opening up your heart and your mind and letting Him teach you and lead you. All I do is I'm the dancing monkey up here pointing to Him, describing the painting, and I hope you go, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that guy up there talking, let me get him out of the way. And, 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 the, and like in, when you first start preaching, you watch people and they drift off. And you're like, well, I guess they're not paying attention. But that, 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 that's actually what you want. Because that means people are thinking, oh, what does this look like for me? And then they come back in. So if you find yourself drifting, don't worry about it. Unless you're like worrying about paying a bill tomorrow or something like that. Don't do that. So we... Walking by faith, we walk by faith, empowered by grace, because of His love. You want to experience transformation, which is what His grace does. You want to walk in the power. You want to experience a miracle. You want to do miracles. You want to be able to see somebody in the grocery store and confidently tell them exactly what God would tell you to tell them. All of that stuff, it's an act of faith, empowered by grace, which works by love. We're going to get there. We're getting closer. I've got these statements that, that, that were helpful for me putting this together. God's love for you is supplied to your heart. And we're going to, there's a scripture that says that. God's love for you is supplied to your heart, which inspires you to be in faith toward him and be open to the power of grace or the gifts, charis. The, the, the root word is charis. When it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it's the same Root, it's the same word that grace is, the charis or the charisma, the expression of God's power on the inside of you outwardly. And it's it's by faith, but that works by love. So the point is, we can think about, well, God loves me and he loves people and I'm supposed to love him. And it's like, okay, yeah, but there's more to love than what we realize. There's more to you being able to turn your heart toward him and physically be moved by his love for you and then turn that love toward others and it have an effect, much like gravity or much like the forces that are holding your molecules together right now. There's an active aspect to God's love. Doing something in this moment right now, and let's keep going. So even obedience, all the things that you guys kind of named, obedience, fruit, which is what Christ wants us to experience. I don't know if you did your homework. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but your homework last week was read John 14, 15, 16, and 17, and you run across the idea that he says, it's impossible for you to bear fruit unless you abide in me. And it's as if the vine in the branch, or the branch in the vine, all of that stuff that comes up through the vine into the branch, to me, that's what grace is. The, the, the branch is being supplied with everything it needs to live and bear fruit. That's grace. The vine 
assimilating life in and of itself and shooting it off into the branches. Are you with me? So that then that apple growing or whatever it is that grows, it's a fruit of what is being supplied from the root all the way up into the branch, and then the fruit bears it out. That's grace. Living with God, experiencing transformation, experiencing His power, walking in the gifts, it's all the same thing. It's faith in Him, experiencing His love for you, and the natural result is grace does what it does. Transforms you, helps you think things through, helps you stay in peace, helps you feel and experience joy when you need it. You know, joy being a fruit. Joy is something that can rise up in your heart from the indwelling Spirit of God that you eat the fruit of joy, and it nourishes you. It's not just, well, let me just be happy, put on a smiling face, and bless God, i got to have joy. Well, how do you do that? I don't know. But I'm smiling. How are you doing today? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Are you really? I don't, I don't really think so, no. All right, so here's some passages. Romans 5.1. Uh, th- this is the um, Berean Study Bible version, which is based, it's, it's the, ba- the root uh, translation on BibleHub.com which I, I, I just really like the way a lot of it's phrased. Um, the, so it's the BSB, Berean Study Bible. I've had people say, where'd you find that? And so anyway, I found it on there. But I just I like the way that it frames these particular passages. Romans 5.1, and we're going to read from 1 all the way through 11. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been, say, say I have been justified. Do you know what justified means? It means that you are absolved from penalty or punishment or judgment. You're justified in the sight of God. God has nothing against you, nor will He ever have anything against you because He's already dealt with everything He would ever need to deal with in your life in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you should just run out and live recklessly and continue in sin. It means you should live in such a way that honors what He did. That's what we want to do. But know that. You're justified through faith. Faith is not a work. It is an acceptance. Faith is trust. Faith is dependence. Faith is not how strong you can do something. Faith is how persuaded and responsive are you to who He is and what He's already done. Great faith is highly convinced that God is a healer. Great faith is not when you do something to leverage healing out of God's hands. Do you see the difference? You don't don't do the work of faith to make God move or get Him to give you something. He's already given you everything that pertains into the life and godliness. All All the promises are yes and amen. Christ is in you. The fullness of God is Christ, and Christ is in you. So everything you'll ever need from Him or to do, for him is in you already. And faith is a dependence upon that indwelling completeness on the inside of you. So then it bears fruit rather than you trying to do it and make it happen. It's a subtle difference, and I think we understand it intellectually, but how do we live from that? I don't know how to tell you how to live from it. I know how I live from it, and I don't even know if I could put it into words. Are, are you with me? And I hope that's not frustrating to you, but I want to compel you to 
Feed on his spirit for yourself. Know his word. All right, let's keep going. So, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Now, watch this part, because this is, this is a bit of a mechanism and an explanation of how to flow in this uh, thing called grace. So, through him, we have gained access. Through him, so through Christ, we have access by faith. So, faith is important. So, you're going in and through him, but your faith is 100% in Jesus. I'm trusting you fully. And I'm not trusting you hoping you'll give me something. I'm trusting in you that as I experience and behold and assimilate you, you become that thing that I think that I need to get you to give me. Because he's already given it to you. He is that thing in you. And if it's something that's external in this world, he will shape you in your thinking and lead you into it. You're not lacking anything. He's not withholding anything from you. So uh, access by faith or just total dependence and trust in him into this grace in which we stand. So I'm thinking like gravity. Okay, so you stand in gravity. It's around you. It's affecting you. Grace is something you're standing in. It's a, it's a dimensional, it's a force, it's flowing through you, it's available, it's like a river. Whatever analogy works for you, you're standing in grace. I mean, just even saying that, if I can get a little mystical, I feel, I just feel empowered. So you access, you stand in this grace. Are you standing in grace in the areas of life that you're struggling? Or are you standing in fear? Like what force are you standing in? Are you standing in confusion, worry, lack, doubt? Doubt's a force. Doubt has effects. Grace. Stand in grace. How? You're through Him, total dependence and trust and faith in Him, then puts you in this place of, okay, grace, yes. So letting Him work through you. He talks about this in Mark 4 and the, the kind of the bottom line explanation He gives. It's like a seed. Seed casts in the ground. The seed knows what to do. The seed is designed to produce that which is... You have the seeds of everything. Him inwardly. Love is a major factor. We're getting to the love part through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God or we rejoice in the confident expectation of the view and opinion of God. In other words, I am excited, I am confident in my expectation that the way God sees things will manifest as I'm standing in grace. Glory, the Greek word doxa, it does mean brightness and splendor and majesty and all these amazing words, but at the core of it, it's God's view and opinion. If God, if everything were according to God's perspective and how He wanted it to be, what would it look like? Glorious. It'd look like the garden before sin and heaven post-resurrection, 
and the restoration of all things and then what Jesus could do in the midst of it. Manifestation, yeah. So, the, so it, it is a present reality outside of our small scale in which we are living, it being grace, ultimate experience, perfection, everything we need, no lack, that can manifest into this dimension. And again, I, you know, I, because, let me keep going. So, so we have peace with him. What does peace mean? Peace, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it means wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, prosperity. So therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God. Now, knowing that you have peace with God is vital when you start to pray. When you start to try to feed on His love for you, when you start to try to stand in grace, when you start to try to experience transformation, when you start to move in ministry and power toward other people, when you start to invest in a business deal, when you start to choose a spouse, when you start to uh, pray and find yourself in the next job opportunity, being led by His grace, you must know that you, you are whole with God. You are at peace with God. There's nothing broken in your relationship with God. The Greek word for peace here, which is in this particular passage, is arene. You'll say that, arene. Pretty good, pretty good. That, so there's two major definitions here. One is peace between individuals or harmony. You're in harmony with God. That's how I think about flowing in grace. It's more like I want to be in tune with Him. And well, how do we get in tune with Him? You renew your mind. You experience His love. You have compassion toward others. See, keeping the commandments of Christ are not about legalistic rules to obey. It's more so these are the corrections that you're making so that you're in tune with how He's leading you. You're in tune with who you are in your spirit. And there's not, a, there's not discord between the note that's being played externally and the note that's being played internally. You know, to me, grace and manifestation happens when your mind is resonating with the same thing of the reality and the truth of who God is inwardly. All these little pictures that, that help, help me. But this is, this, is, this is awesome. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Like, man, we, we, we gloss over, we, we, we judge that as basic and elementary and something to move on from. But, man, I'm telling you, live aware of the assurity of your salvation. Because then you're not wondering, well, God, why is this happening? Why did that happen? Oh, well, maybe I didn't do this, and therefore this didn't happen. And No. Salvation is a whole and complete thing given to you. He's not withholding and judging and determining the with puppet strings, the quality of your life. He's like, here, have it all. Have the best that I have for you. Now, you must assimilate it by walking with me, being in harmony with me. That is why you obey God. Of course we are to obey God, keep the commandments, live by the rules, walk uprightly, but not to qualify, but to stay in harmony with Him so that we are glorifying Him by being in tune with Him. So... Um, and so fearing nothing from God. Now, a, a lot of you probably don't struggle with that, but I'm telling you, a lot of people do. So many people are afraid 
that they're not saved, or they're afraid that they're disappointing him, or that they're not quite doing with their life that the, what they're supposed to do. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fear. And when I say fear, I'm not talking about the proper kind of fear. We are to fear God, but when Jesus quoted fear God, he said worship God. The kind of fear that we should have is awe and respect, not to be afraid of. Anytime there was a message from heaven, angels appeared. They said, don't be afraid. So it's like, fear God, but don't be afraid. Are you with me? So, fearing, and this is it's the definition, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Now, that's the paradox, right? We believe God for these amazing promises that He's given us, this quality of life that we can experience in Him. Do you, you ever think about that? God, God wanted you to know what He was like. God wanted to people, God wants people to experience what He wants for people. And in Christ, what he did was heal people. Like what God wants for people is to not be diseased. Well, we got some taxes to pay, Jesus. Well, you know, go fishing. There's a coin that's going to come up. What God wants to do is provide for you. What God wants to do is feed you, clothe you. Look at the... Israelites, 40 years they wandered in the desert and their clothes didn't even wear out. God wants to clothe, He wants to take care of you exceedingly abundantly. But I mean, that's the character and the nature of God. But it's this paradox, right? It's like these amazing things that we, He's promised to us and paid for, but yet be content in if you find yourself in prison awaiting your beheading. Are you with me? Because that could happen. There are people that we're probably praying for, missionaries that are in very hostile areas. That are, that's, I mean, even in, even in this moment right now, their reality is they are hiding, and once they get caught, they will be killed for the persecution of their faith. But in that moment, to experience abundant life is to be joyful and, and have hope in this blessing that awaits us, right? And, and we are... Well, right, I'm going to keep going. So, Romans 5, 3, not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Now, anytime, so let me, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and I made the statement here just to make it clear. Anytime you see suffering embraced by biblical authors, it's related to the persecution of their faith, not the pain and loss related to life in general. So, when Paul endorses suffering, or Peter endorses suffering, it's not talking about um, you losing your job or disease or whatever it is that in your life might cause suffering that we say, well, you know what? I don't know why this happened, but God's causing me to suffer, and if I just stay, if I stay faithful in this, I'll persevere, and it'll be holiness for me. So not anywhere in Scripture is the precedent set that the suffering related to life circumstances is what they're talking about. It's always related to experiencing the persecution of your faith. Always. So when you see this, this is not saying embrace the pain of the disease in your body or embrace the pain of your loved one suffering by their own choices. It's not talking about embrace that. You should pray against that. Why would he want you to embrace the, the, 
the pain of suffering from a disease, but yet heal people. It's not consistent. So perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now, you know, this is uh, a bit poetic in terms of describing God pouring out his love, but I'm, I'm taking this literally. Even right now in this moment, God is pouring out his love. I want to be able to turn my attention and experience that. And not just because he has fond thoughts toward me, but because spiritually he is engaging me in some way that is effectual in me. Are you with me? Like to, to feel it is so good, but then what does that do? You go out and you face temptation and you are energized by the expression of God's love for you inwardly. Guess what you're going to do in the face of that temptation? And I'm not just talking about an emotion. I'm talking about the awareness of a relationship that is so gripped and wrapped in God's love for you, yes, in the way that he feels about you, but he's so much more beyond that in that it's a power. All right, so let's keep going. Because God has poured out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. For at just the right time, we were still powerless. See, it, it kind of equates love and power here. Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly die. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you before you could obey him. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more, say how much more, shall we be saved from wrath through him? You don't ever have to fear the wrath of God. Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies of God we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, say how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only that, but we also rejoice in God, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, his love, his, his motivation toward us, but then here it goes a little bit further. This is Ephesians 3.16. Now, to me personally, this is, this is a great explanation of what grace is, what grace is doing, like, like a functional description of grace even though it doesn't specifically use the word grace, I think he's describing the function and the action of grace in this passage here. So I ask that out of the riches of his glory, so out of his strength, out of his riches, out of his treasure chest of spiritual blessing, out of what it is that's really in him, he's taking out and he's doing something. So I ask that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power, through His Spirit, Christ may dwell in your hearts. It's almost as if that rooted and grounded in it. Are you seeing that? Then 18, uh, so that rooted and grounded in His love will have power. As you are rooted in His love, power. Do you see that? I, mean, I just want to make it ridiculously, elementarily clear because what I want you walking out of here doing 
is expecting to be powerful for transformation, for love toward others, and operating in the gifts, the power flowing through you toward others so that we do those things that Jesus said that we would do. He said, the works that I've done, you shall do also. How do you do it? Your heart rooted and grounded in his love for you so that power, so that grace bears fruit. I'll read it again, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, then you, being rooted and grounded in love, will have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and the width and the height and the depth of the love of Christ and to know this love, to experience His love, to assimilate and be strengthened by His love so that when you're facing life, you turn your attention away from whatever it is and you cultivate. You become aware of God's love for you. What do you do? What helps you become aware of His love for you? We're going to get into that in just a second. That'll be your next homework. So, and to know, this word know is the Greek word nosko, and it's not just intellectual, it's experiential. That you have knowledge because you've experienced something, right? Like that's the kind of knowledge that we want. We don't want just information. I want to know because I've been there. I've done it. I know what it feels like. I know what it looks like. I know how to do this, you know? Uh, to know his love that surpasses knowledge, and it doesn't mean that you don't get the knowledge. You got. See, sometimes you hear this passage and you think, well, I'm going to settle for his love in lack of knowledge. It doesn't mean that you don't get knowledge. It just means the love is better than knowledge. Next time you're seeking, well, God, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. Feed on his love. If you're, the next time you're confused and you're trying to figure out a situation, cultivate his love on the inside. I'm telling you, listen, I know this is hitting home with some of you. If you get one thing out of this message today, the next time you're confused, stop yourself and cultivate his love for you on the inside of your heart. And I'm telling you, it's so much better than the understanding. Even if you got the understanding and you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, well, I see that one plus two equals three. Okay. But, but, but that's not doing it for me. But his love comes with a greater sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and meaning beyond just the issue that you're confused about. Are you with me? I'm telling you, next time you're facing a confusion, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this didn't happen. Unplug from that way of thinking and feed, become rooted and grounded in his love for you. And watch what happens. Um, now to him who is able to do image. So as your heart is rooted and grounded in him, feeding on his love for you, cultivating that love. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think or imagine according to his power that works in us. You almost could say his power that works in you is his love for you. I think I actually did say that. I made that up. I don't know. Do you agree with that? You know, I don't think that's too far off the truth. Because we want to obey God. We want to keep the commandments of Christ. We want to live out the purposes and the assignments that he has for you. How many of you want to do the things that God would ask you to do? You'll do it empowered by his grace, which is a fruit of his love for you. Man, I'm telling you, if you're, you're wanting to do these things, spend time nurturing and cultivating God's love in your heart. And it's not just a 
feel-good message. It's not just his motivation. It's not just basic gospel one-on-one, well, I know God loves me. Well, at least I know that God loves me. No, there's so much more to get from his love for you. Make it a discipline in your life to feel God's love for you in the face of whatever decision that you have to make. Don't do anything until you're aware of his love for you and you feel empowered by it. And, 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 it, and it, it's guiding you because if you have to face something, let's say that you've made a really, 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 really bad mistake. And you got to face the consequences and you don't want to, but it's in front of you and there's no way around it. There's no getting out of this one. What are you going to do? You better be immersed in God's love for you so that no matter what happens, you go into it maturely facing the consequences because of what happened, not looking for a, a way out, trusting Him, but in spite of it, man, you go into it finding a way to glorify Him in some way. The power of God works in your life because His love for you has been poured out into your heart. So I just got a couple of statements that to me were helpful, all of these passages that we just read. The love of God, the love of God alive in the heart of man is the breeding ground for his power. How many of you want to be able to see miracles work through your hands as you pray for people? Yeah. Cultivate compassion for those people. More so than your desire to operate in the gifts, more so than your desire to fulfill your call or be proud of yourself for having a word for somebody, cultivate compassion first and foremost and let that be the ground out of which that stuff comes. And then the results don't matter because love won't fail. Your, your attempt to uh, identify a spirit in someone's life might fail, but your love for them won't fail. And it might put them in the environment to experience God's love, which is what you need to help them receive that power that's flowing through you to make a difference in their life. Cultivate compassion, compassion for people. And you're driving in traffic. Practice. I'm t- I practice. Just practice. Ignore her. The fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are birthed out of a heart convinced of God's love. And we'll we'll send out an email that has this stuff in there. Um, The power of God works through you when you are motivated by compassion for others. The more you are convinced of God's love for you, the more you will allow yourself to be empowered by grace to experience all God seeks to do through you. So what causes you to feel and know God's love? See, I'm not just wanting you to go out of here feeling all warm and fuzzy because God loves you. I want you to obey God. I want you to leave sin behind. I want you to quit limiting what God's trying to do through you. I want you to step into those assignments and those callings that God has for you. Some of them, but not others. And you...
into that situation so that it melts away any of the expectation because you have peace with God. You are whole in your relationship with God. Let His love saturate you, your thinking, your awareness of yourself, your awareness of people, so that when you turn toward God, your first response is, I, I feel nothing but love from you. I'm not afraid of judgment. I'm not afraid of disappointment, disappointing you. I'm not afraid of not following through on what it is that's in my heart to do. You're motivated by love. Amen? Amen. So here's your homework. Find 12 passages about God's love for you and meditate on them every day this week. Will you do that? How many of you will do that? Find 12 passages about God's... Now, it's easy. You can go to any... There's so many topical Bible tools on the internet. You may have one in your favorite Bible app, whatever. I always recommend there's one called openbible.info. And, 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 and put them in there. Put them in your mind. Put them in your heart. Put them in your thinking. And if you want to take it even a step further, rewrite them in the first person so that you're owning them personally, right? You're living in the reality of this is between me and him. It's not just a scripture about God's love. It's No, this is the first person. This is, this is me. This is him. This is our relationship. Why? Why? Because when you have faith, and that's what you're doing, you're cultivating faith. You're persuading your mind and your heart. You're rewriting those beliefs on your heart to be in faith, to be in trust toward him because you're taking the scripture, you're feeding on it, with the expectation that it changes how you think, which will change your behavior at least. But, like we just read, there's power that comes out of that. Power to obey Him. Power to pick up those assignments. Power to finally break free from that sin habit that you just can't seem to be able to get rid of. Power to finally quit being afraid and being in doubt all the time toward Him. His love in your heart as you feed on it and become convinced of it is effective in you. It will do things to you. It will do things through you. It's not just an idea. You're not just trying to feel good. It's a power that comes as a result of that. Are you with me? Man, I, I want to live from the power of His love for me. Not just carefree, ah, life is fine, God loves me. You know, that, that, that's, that's kindergarten. And if I were to take it even deeper, let's identify some areas in your life where you're failing and you're struggling and there was probably a lack of love from a parental situation or an abuse or a trauma where love was perverted. And it's the very area that you're struggling. But God's love can heal that and completely transform it so that it's not a perversion any longer. It's not a pain any longer. So that when you think about it, it does nothing to you. It has zero emotional impact in you because you've let the love of God heal you in that area. And we get to do that for others also. That's what's so cool about the gifts is God will give you an insight and you share it with somebody and it just tears down that trauma structure in their heart and their mind and replaces it with his love. And it's like, God loves me to tell me that. Whatever the effect might be, you walking in that stuff. 
feed on his love. I'm telling you, do this homework assignment. There will be a test next week. Lyle's going to stand at the door. If you don't turn in your homework, no church for you. So let me just, one last thing. What causes you to feel God's love? Let's throw out some ideas because some of you may be struggling with that. What causes you to feel God's love? Or what do you think about to help you become aware of and feel God's love for you? Focus on Him. Focus on Him. Magnify Him. Lyle was talking about that a couple weeks ago. Magnify Him. Experiencing the righteousness that He gives, which to me is affirm that I'm okay with God. I have peace with God. You know. Anybody else? What causes you to become aware of? and Like even right now. Stillness, meditation. Worship, word. You said worship. Spend time with him. Nature. Now, listen, some of us might be like, okay, no, I'm gonna, I've now got to spend time with him. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up 30 minutes early. I'm going to get up at 630. I'm going to spend time with him. And at 635, <laughs> and then what? Guilt, condemnation. So, so I would urge you, make it quality without the option for judgment if you fail. Are you with me? So don't just create some legalistic thing. Well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to experience his love. Ah, oh, man, I didn't have time for that this week. Don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. It's a, it's a matter of the heart, right? So, so I'm not attacking spend time, but just be careful. Be intentional. Do what works for you. Set yourself up where you know you're going to. And cultivate it. I'm t- I'm, I'm, if you would practice it, if we would practice it, first off, we would be such rocks in our society. We would be such mirrors of peace. Or what's up? You find yourself in a situation, you can go. I remember when God loved such an important key Remembrance and thankfulness. Amen. Amen. See, Callie was prophesying. Where did she go? She leaves. She, she being mama. She being mama back there. She's probably watching TV. Good job prophesying back there. And it's that easy. And I, I, I want you to bring it when you come here. Be ready to participate because the world needs to see a cohesive church with all the gifts flowing in love to build us up. Amen? Did you get something out of this today? Good. Let God love you and do your homework. I think I'll do a video this week kind of just doing it as an example in the church Facebook group, and we'll try to put that in an email too on the YouTube if uh, on the YouTube because I know not everybody's on Facebook. Anyway, let's stand up, put your attention on him, and just as you walk out of here today, just be thinking about, I don't, I don't want to just understand his love. I want to be empowered and strengthened and transformed by his love. And it is my core. It's the context of my relationship with him. I want to frame every thought knowing and being aware of God's love for me. When I pray, I want to know that he's met my need because he loves me. And I want to let that love bear fruit. And, Lord, I give you my heart today. I give you my mind to be led by you to others, to to be an example, to be a witness, to share this love, to help others know you and come to know you.
and to, to, to just be a source of hope in our community so that fear is not driving us any longer.